We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. Do not bring that dog on this podcast. They're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast. It is week one. I don't mean week one starts on Sunday. I mean, it is literally week one. We are recording right now during Thursday Night Football. We are brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver, and joining me, as always, is Justin Mello. What is up, Justin? It's good to be back, right? It feels like we have finally made it. We got football on the television, and... uh, Excited for what is sure to be another wild season. Ain't that the truth? We are going to preview week one with the Arizona Cardinals Titans at home opening the season against Arizona. We're going to talk about what to expect from this game. Touch on the unofficial depth chart that was released recently and some other uh, some other news from practice, who's practicing, injury report, that kind of stuff. But going to preview this game and then we're going to bring on a special guest to get the cardinals perspective on this game jess root who covers the cards a site editor for cards wire the usa today Cardinals site he is at senor jess root on twitter make sure you're following him during this game for the cardinals perspective we will get to that interview in a sec we also have a very very special guest closing out the show You got to speak with Kevin Byard. We did run this on broadwaysportsmedia.com on Thursday, so if you've already seen it. But we have Kevin Byard on the show talking about expectations for this season, goals, preparations, where he likes to play in the defense, what what it comes down to to get interceptions, and and more from Kevin Byard. So we're really excited that, that that will audio will play on this podcast as well. And at the end of the show, after that interview, I'm going to be making a major announcement. So stay tuned for the whole thing. But let's talk about the game because, again, it is week one. I want to start with the Titans injury report. A.J. Brown did not practice on Wednesday. However, he did return to practice on Thursday. Julio Jones has been out there. Ben Jones and Nate Davis are back at practice, came off the COVID list. It looks like this team is going to be as fully healthy as they can be, minus, you know, Darrington Evans being on IR to start the season, which we called last week. It looks like this team is about as healthy as they can be to start the season. I will say Chris Jackson and David Long, as well as Tommy Hudson and Josh Reynolds, were also limited in practice. But AJ AJ Brown did return to full participation. We'll see what those other guys' status looks like on Friday. Make sure you're out there tracking that. But for the most part, pretty healthy Titans team entering week one. Very healthy, extremely healthy. I mean, I don't know that you can have any complaints. You talked about Evans on IR. Marcus Johnson is also on IR, a guy that I can see playing some snaps for them when healthy. Uh, David Long, Chris Jackson banged up. I, I don't think there's anything to be super concerned about there. Be interesting to see if they can't go. Uh, does a guy like Monty Rice get on the field at all? Uh, you would assume Elijah Molden gets in a lot more. So uh, for the most part, this is an extremely healthy team, and they, they really can't complain right now. Right, yeah, Marcus Johnson, that, that should be interesting. With We'll see how long he's out, at least three weeks, obviously, because he's on IR. But Chester Rogers looks to be the starting slot receiver, and that will be my transition now into the quote-unquote unofficial depth chart, which is still very much unofficial, and I still very much do not read into 
basically anything on this depth chart, but I do think there are a few takeaways. And Chester Rogers being inserted as that starting slot receiver is one of my top ones over Josh Reynolds. We always take depth charts with a grain of salt, but the Titans released a new one the other day, and they had they had Chester Rogers as a starting receiver in the slot, right? They listed three receivers starting, so to speak, and they got Chester Rogers there. I, pet peeve. I hate that they don't do it with corners. It's a little odd they do it with receivers and don't do it with corners on the depth chart, but, I mean, that, that's a topic for another day. But they've got Chester Rogers starting, so we'll see if that's how it actually plays out. But you have to think that, there's a chance all of a sudden that he plays more snaps than Josh Reynolds on Sunday. I, I don't think that that's out of the question, especially with Reynolds dealing with this lingering Achilles issue that he still seems to be dealing with. And he's on the injury report on Thursday as being limited in practice after not showing up on the injury report Wednesday. So that's definitely something to track in this game. I think the Titans will be fine at wide receiver just because, you know, they got obviously AJ Brown, Julio Jones. If uh, Josh Reynolds can't, can't go as much, you got, Cameron Batson, you got Anthony Ferkser who can play in the slot, and if you have to go to Nick Westbrook-Akine, he has made a few catches. He had a nice fourth down catch from Logan Woodside that one play last year against the Ravens, so never forget that. The one thing I want to mention about this depth chart, and this is another reason why I think it's totally meaningless, is that outside of Monty Rice, every single rookie is still listed at the back of their depth chart, and we know for a fact that if Chris Jackson who was, again, limited on Thursday, if he can't go for this game or if he's limited in the game, like, I don't, I do not in a million years expect someone else to come into the game who isn't Elijah Molden at the slot position. So even though Elijah Molden's listed as the last cornerback on the depth chart, along with Caleb Farley, by the way, at two different cornerback spots, I still think we're going to see a lot of Elijah Molden. And I even think he could end up starting this game regardless of Chris Jackson's health. Like that's just how well he played in preseason. And, and all the guys are talking about how well and how, or how impressed they are with him. Yeah. Shane Bowen today, defensive coordinator uh, was asked about snaps in the, at nickel. And he basically just immediately defaulted to Chris Jackson and Elijah Molden. So we know that they like both of them and I'm excited to see how that plays out on Sunday. I almost, I mean, not almost, I want Chris Jackson to be healthy because I'm very curious to see how they kind of make that decision. If Chris Jackson isn't healthy, then that decision is made for them. And I'm sure a lot of people, you know, would, would be, would love to see Molden on the field, but Jackson is a good player in his own right. A guy that they like, and I want him out there because I want to see how Shane Bowen deploys that position. Very curious about that. Agreed. And I said this a few weeks ago, I think, and I still believe this, but I think we're going to see a, a lot more Elijah Molden this year than than Caleb Farley. Maybe he's maybe back half of the year. Farley starts to play a lot more than he will probably to start the season. But I think that, you know, it's going to take a while for him to get into the proper, I don't know, what, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but He's got to get back into football. He took a year off and he only played defense for two years. I feel like there's he's got all the upside in the world. But it has to be honed. That potential has to be molded. And maybe throwing him into the fire is the best way. But I actually think that when you have a team that is a potential Super Bowl contender like the Titans, you want to win every game here. You want to position yourself for home field advantage in the playoffs. And you don't necessarily want that liability of a rookie cornerback who's only played defense for two years of his life on the field. Um, necessarily out there as much as, you know, maybe you would if you were a rebuilding team. You know, it would be very interesting to me. Remember when Taylor Lewan got hurt last year 
uh, and other guys got hurt. And Isaiah Wilson wasn't the guy that they went to. And I mean, right. we knew kind of how, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I was disappointed when that first happened. Of course, Wilson wasn't quite the disaster yet that he ended up becoming. He was halfway there already, but he wasn't fully there. Right. Uh, but that was disappointing. What happens? And again, we hope we don't find out, you know what I'm about to say, but if Jack rabbit or Fulton goes down with an injury, is it Farley or is it Breon Borders, who's a capable outside corner in his own right? If it's not Farley, then I think you'll see a lot of disappointment. And it only and that disappointment will only ramp up from there. Yeah, I agree. And I don't know that I I mean, for me, I won't be disappointed. I feel like the fan base may be disappointed, but I still hold that Caleb Farley is going to be an excellent player, but he is going to need time. He is going to need some seasoning time. Now, I want to move on to Monty Rice here, who's listed ahead of Nick DeZubnar on the inside linebacker The winner chart. of the rookies, apparently, Monty Rice. The one that nobody had really ever heard of coming into that after that pick was made on draft night and um, on the sec- in, the sec- in the second night of the draft, the third round. And he's the guy that passed somebody else up. Now, this could be... Uh, more of a comment on Nick DeZubnar than Monty Rice. But the other the other crazy thing about this depth chart right now is that Dylan Radens is still listed as a backup right guard. He's not listed on the tackle depth chart at all. You know, some guys are listed at multiple positions, like Aaron Brewer ha- is a left guard and center backup, left guard and backup center. Dylan Radens is not a backup tackle. He is only a backup right guard. And the starting right tackle, there are three of them listed with slash marks. And there's actually no backup tackles listed on this depth chart anywhere because you got three starters at right tackle. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you know what the crazy thing is about that Radens being listed as the backup right guard is I fully believe that it's accurate. Me too. If Nate Davis goes down with an injury again, God forbid, for for multiple reasons: a because he's really good, and b because Radens did not look good at right guard in the preseason. But if it were to happen, something Davis that is. They would put Radens in there. I believe that they would. I I think they do see Aaron Brewer as yeah. a backup left guard and center. I don't think they see Aaron Brewer out there at right guard. Uh, and I don't think they see Radens getting into the mix at right tackle. I mean, they've pretty much already admitted that. And I don't think they see him getting into the mix at left tackle either. Even though, uh, of course, uh, barring injury, I mean to Luan, because Luan's obviously your starter. But God forbid something happens to Luan. I don't think they put Radens there. I think they put whoever doesn't start at right tackle between Kissenberry or Sombrello because they both played left tackle last year. So that's how I think they see it. I agree. I agree. I, I think Brewer would probably get in the game before Raidens. Just at because, right guard? Yeah, just because Raidens did not look ready for NFL action. I hope we don't find out, but I'd be yeah, very curious agreed. to see what, what would happen there. I definitely hope we do not find out. Um, any of this that we're talking about, Farley, Raid, any, any of We don't want to know any of them. Right. But let's talk about the right tackle now, move away from the rookies. And and just tell me if you had to predict right now, because as of this recording on Thursday night, they have not named a starter. Who do you think starts? I'm going to say it's David Kissenberry. I think uh, I, I think he probably had the more stable offseason of them all. You know, Kendall Lamb, I, I think when they brought Lamb in, I would like to think the plan was to was to start him. I mean, don't even get me started on this topic. You know, it kind of ruffled my feathers at the time. They basically took Dennis Kelly's money and gave it to Kendall Lamb, right? It was, there was very little difference. I think they ended up saving maybe $600,000 
uh, between the two of them. So uh, who uh, Kelly was a capable right tackle last year, in my opinion. And yes, he didn't get signed right away. So that might say something about what the league thinks of him. Maybe we were too high on him, but they essentially gave his money to Kendall Lamb. Uh, that for me came with the expectation that Lamb was going to be your starting right tackle. He's banged up throughout training camp, a little banged up throughout the preseason. I don't think he starts on Sunday. Now, do I hope that he takes over that job at some point? Yes and no. No, because it might mean that the situation's a disaster. <laughs> yes, because that's who I expected to start from the get-go, and they paid him, uh, in my opinion, to do to do that. So, so, uh, so he didn't have a stable offseason, as I alluded to. Sombrello was was rehabbing, right? He, I believe, what was a torn ACL, I think, when he replaced Luan. So, neither yep. of these guys had stable offseason whatsoever. Whereas Kissenberry did. He finished the year as the starting left tackle, and I, I, I think it's going to be him on Sunday. I'll, I'll be surprised actually if it isn't. I agree with that. And I do agree with basically everything you said. I think looking back now, I wonder, would John Robinson undo the Dennis Kelly, Kendall Lamb swap? I feel like he probably would. I got a ton of money in cap space, according to Spray. They just converted Julio Jones's money. Uh, They restructured that, saved a bunch more to the cap. They got what, nine, 10 million in cap space, I think. Between nine and 10, definitely under 10, but more than nine. I think they're about 10th in the NFL in terms of cap space. So that doesn't sound like a lot, but that's like, remaining for 2021 cap space right 2021 is starting like what do you you certainly (laughs) yeah you certainly didn't have to save 600k whatever it was by switching from dennis kelly to kendall lamb so jersey uh, and kelly ended up in green bay i think right that's pretty confident and he'll probably be starting what kind of year he has i don't know if he's penciled in as a starter there i'm assuming he's not but they also got a he was penciled in as a backup but david bakhtiari yeah i was gonna say i know they got they got him on uh, out for six weeks, I think, right? He's on the, 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 the at PP. least, yeah, it'll be so, at least six weeks. Yeah. So Kelly, Kelly might get into a starting role there for at least the first half of the season or so. And if so, I'm very curious to see how he looks compared to what the right tackle situation looks like in Tennessee. Actually, Kelly is listed as the backup right tackle. David Bakhtiari, not on the depth chart for the Packers right now. Elgton Jenkins is listed as a starter at left tackle. Well, he was an interior guy a year ago, wasn't he? Yeah, but he's very good. I think he can. He's very, he can very hold it good. Down. Yeah. So, so that's that means they're, they're shuffling things around and they put in another guy on the interior. And they got, yeah. And they got Billy Turner starting at right tackle, who I believe was with the Bengals last year and was really, really bad. So if Name Dennis sounds Kelly, familiar, that'd be really interesting to put him in over Kelly. I mean, based on the weird. season that Kelly had last year and his familiarity with that offense, mind you, right? Then, Playing in the uh, Matt LaFleur. Not just the offense, but Matt LaFleur himself. Matt LaFleur was offensive coordinator here. Yeah, very very odd if that's the case. That's something I'm going to look for on Sunday, and I'll pay attention to. Billy Price was who I was thinking of from Bengals. Billy Turner played for the Broncos for the – he played for the Packers for the last three years. He's played for the Broncos before that. Bit of a journeyman, third-round pick. But, I mean, is he good? Like, I don't know. Over Kelly, like, that that's interesting. But anyway, we're we're getting a little off topic. Way off there. on a tangent. I am <laughs> curious to see how this right tackles. I don't think it's going to be a disaster. Don't get me wrong. I know we kind of dogged it there a little bit, but I don't think it's going to be a disaster. But I don't think it's going to be excellent. I think it'll be very similar to the play they got uh, at left tackle last year when Luan went down. That sort of replacement level where it didn't kill them, but you had to kind of keep a guy in there. You had to chip. You needed a tight end uh, to help there quite often. So that's kind of what I expect from the right tackle spot this year. 
And the difference between that and last year is that last year you were doing that at both tackle spots after Lawan right. went down. So hopefully Lawan can stay upright this year and they won't get into that. Let's get into our interview now with the Cards Wire editor, Jess Root now. I tease it at the top. Get the Cardinals perspective first quickly here because he's a little more optimistic on the Cardinals than I think I would have expected. Then we'll come back and we'll do this from the Titans point of view, which I think is what our listeners probably care more about. So Without further ado, let us now welcome in Jess Root. Thanks for joining the show. No problem, man. Glad to be on. Let's get into this game, talking about things from the Cardinals' perspective. I'm curious, first of all, what is the biggest question surrounding this team as we enter week one of the 2021 season? You know, outside of the quarterback position, which had a sudden change of things when Malcolm Butler retired, with we don't know what the situation is exactly, but honestly, I think the biggest question people have is whether Cliff Kingsbury can take them to the next level. I, I, based on everything I'm seeing, there's a little bit of doubt even here locally, but especially nationally, people doubt after their, their kind of their, their fall down to how they kind of fell apart late last season. They wonder if the league figured out Cliff Kingsbury and if he's going to be, if he's basically can cut it in the NFL. And outside of that, I mean, you look at the offense. I don't think there's much question about the offense other than is the scheme, did the league figure it out? Because they definitely added talent. They should, they, you know, they could rack up yards and points. They should quite easily. And then the other question is kind of all these 30 plus vets that they've added are they going to guys like JJ Watt and AJ Green? Are they going to pay off and basically find us a, a resurgence? I think that's a fair question, and I'm really curious to follow them this year, uh, especially the Kingsbury situation. I, I have noticed that I feel like people have really soured on him uh, throughout the, and this is a, a crucial year for him. Feels like he's on the hot seat, to be honest uh, with you, Jesse. One thing I want to transition to, you mentioned the corner, you mentioned Malcolm Butler there, of course, a former Tennessee Titans legend. We have a lot of love for Malcolm <laughs> Butler on this show. Uh, whatever he's dealing with there, uh, seems like there's no information on that, but it seems personal and, and, and Graver and yes. I can both attest to the fact that Malcolm Butler loves football. He's a gamer. So for him to walk away like this, uh, it, it does seem like there's something serious going on there. So best wishes to Malcolm Butler on, on the topic of corners. From a Titans perspective, uh, I mean, us, of course, being from a Titans perspective, tell me why I should or shouldn't, because obviously I do, feel great about the Titans' chances in this matchup with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones going up against a, a fourth-round rookie who I believe is starting in Marco Wilson, mm-hmm. maybe the 33-year-old Robert Alford. I mean, the, the Malcolm Butler situation, for Arizona to be sorting out their corners now – you almost couldn't ask for a worse matchup, in my opinion, than A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Right. That's the thing that it, it's good and bad because it's week one and they're probably going to have their toughest matchup. Now, here's the thing. Um, the Cardinals' pass defense wasn't bad last year. And I don't think that they got worse at cornerback. Obviously, that the matchup is is really, really tough. Uh, but Robert Alford knows Julio Jones was teammates with him, obviously. Uh, Marco Wilson is the question mark, um, but he has the skills to do it. Now, as a Titans fan, why do you like that? Obviously, you're going to like the matchup against, what you know, 
their their presumed number one corner in Butler is now off the board. And when you have that when you have that rushing attack with Derrick Henry, you look at the middle of the field, the linebackers, and you've got rookies, Avon Collins, and second year Isaiah Simmons, both of whom are known more for their coverage than for their run defense. So you you have to kind of like that scenario. Um, so if if you're a Titans fan, you like the potential of what you could get from the receivers and also in the run game. Yeah, agreed. I think it'll be really interesting. This could be an explosive matchup depending on how the Titans defense looks because they were not very good last season. Of course, <laughs> they have had a lot of turnover there. So two teams that could put up points in this game. I'm curious just your your overall thoughts on how this game unfolds, how the Cardinals might try to attack the Titans and uh, just your general expectations for the the game flow we might see. I expect lots of points, honestly. Um, and it's going to come down to either turnovers or which defense can get, let's say, two stops. <laughs> um, and that I think that's going to come down to it is that now I believe that the Cardinals defense could carry them this year. I, I think their defense is probably underrated, uh, especially early when they're going to be healthy. You've got J.J. Watt, you've got Chandler Jones back, you have the healthy defensive line. So in terms of pass rush, you've got J.J. Watt, you've got Marcus Golden, you've got Chandler Jones. That's that's going to be tough to to go against. Uh, you got Buda Baker in, in the backfield, in the defensive backfield. You've got young linebackers. So I think in ter- if you're rating, I think obviously Tennessee's offense is better on paper, well, especially in production. Like we haven't seen what the Cardinals can do with this offensive unit yet. So you look at the Tennessee, you look at the Titans and you figure they're better offensively. And the Cardinals, I would dare say, you, you look at how they did last year and who they, the personnel, but they're better this year, uh, better than the Titans. And so it's going to come down to can that – you've got strength on strength um, in yeah. terms of the matchup against each other. It's going to come down to, to that. I think the Cardinals offensively, uh, they're, going to, they're going to use the uh, – it's going to be interesting because they, they do have the, the horizontal move. They, they tried to do that last year. They didn't have a lot of success for it. But rookie Rondell Moore adds that dimension to it, and I think it's really going to open up things. And their two-headed uh, rushing attack with Chase Edmonds kind of being the number one, uh, plus he, he offers a lot in the passing game. And then James Conner uh, adds a big body with some powerful running to kind of offset him. I think offensively, they're just going to try and do what they do, and that's they they want to be productive in the run game. Then they want to throw the ball, and then when they've had success, then they've been able to run the ball successfully in the fourth quarter to kind of wear teams down at the end. Uh, But obviously, the Titans have have the firepower to keep up with that, and so the plan of you know, put points up early and then slow the game down at the end. You can't do against the Titans very well because they can they can match you or even beat you punch for punch when it comes to offense. 
Uh, you brought up a lot of good points there, Jess. And I'm a big fan of a lot of the players there on that defense. I think you bring up a good point. They probably will be underrated this year. Yeah, there, there are questions at corner for sure, but I was a huge you know, Simmons fan when he was coming out. I, I had Zayvon Collins as my top linebacker, or one of my top linebackers, sorry. Loved him coming out of Tulsa and, and the things he could do for you. Then you talk about Chandler Jones, one of the better rushers, uh, pass rushers in the league. Buda Baker is a terrific talent that, that does so much for you. Byron Murphy. So they've done a great job uh, accumulating talent on the defensive side of the ball in recent drafts. Uh, I'll, I'll close that with this. Not that we need an exact score prediction or anything of that nature, but, uh, but we will put you on the spot. Who do you see <laughs> winning this game and how do you kind of see it playing out? You know, back when I made initial predictions, I had the Titans winning with this one. And, and I, honestly, if you look at, especially when you look at betting odds as I have over the last few years, um, Season openers, like home openers, are really hard for road teams to come in and win or, or even cover. Um, that said, a, I, I think that the Cardinals are better defensively, and I think that because no one's really seen exactly how they're going to deploy J.J. Watt, I think that's going to make a difference. And I think they get one or two stops um, that will make the difference. I actually have the Cardinals sneaking out of Tennessee with a 37-31 win. Um, it's not going to be a convincing win. Uh, it's I think it'll be back and forth, but then it'll, they'll either they're down by one and then score a touchdown late and get a stop. And it'll be basically back and forth the whole game. Hey, who who are we to argue? If we if we do, we'll sound pretty biased. I think so. <laughs> I that's the thing, and I I am admittedly overly optimistic always but this is a team i followed since 1989 so <laughs> there you go look i think it's going to be a close game a good game and i won't fault you for picking arizona in it I, i'm looking forward to it i think it's one of the more intriguing matchups on the week one calendar just because it's two teams obviously that only meet once every four years arizona only comes to nashville once every eight years and then there, there are so many intriguing storylines here unfortunately malcolm butler is no longer in the fold but uh, you look at DeAndre Hopkins, obviously the Titans know him very well. Yes. Uh, J.J. Watt, it seems like they can't escape him. You know, he leaves the <laughs> division, he leaves the conference, and, and here he is. Game, the first game back. Right, first, first game on the new team. Here he is back in Tennessee in week one. I promise you that Mike Vrabel and John Robinson wish that that wasn't the case. But uh, I'm really excited about this matchup. I'm fired up for both teams. I think uh, it's a great test for Tennessee's new look defense. They think they're going to be a lot better than they were a year ago. Well, here you have it with Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, and all the other weapons Arizona has. So I think it's going to be a fascinating matchup and uh, enjoy it on Sunday. Absolutely. And if, if, if you're into the, to the wagering side of things. Um, Graver used to be. Graver, Graver's hit, a degenerate gambler. So he will love this. Hit the over. Hit the retired. over in this game. <laughs> retired. Yeah. Ga- he's a retired gambler now. But. I was forced to retire due to work, but it's for the best. <laughs> hit the over in this game. I, I think if, if you're looking at, I think, honestly, this is a the over, yes. The t- it's going to be a complete toss-up as to who wins and, and who covers because, like, two and a half is just ah, – that's, that's close. It's a tight, yeah, it's a tight I, but but hit, the, hit the over. Definitely. I read a stat today, and I'm not, I'm not really a gambler, to be honest with you, but I read an article that made a great point about the over on this one. Some, Ryan Tannehill has taken over as a Titans starter. The Titans have hit the over, uh, and it's like – 
the record is like 21 and three or something ridiculous. They've just gone <laughs> over in pretty much every game since Tannehill State. They were 12, four and one uh, against the total last year. They, they, they went 12, four and one over under last year. That is wild. The defense definitely played a part in that. If uh, if either team's defense <laughs> yes. looks good this year, we we could see a change. But I do think this is going to be a high scoring game. So, Jess, we really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us again. If you're out there on Twitter, you want the Cardinals perspective during this game, make sure you're following at Senor Jess Root on Twitter, site editor for Cards Wire USA Today site. Thanks again, Jess, for your time. No problem. And uh, enjoy the game on Sunday. Will do. Appreciate the hell out of you, Jess, as always. <laughs> of course. I've been course, talking Jess. to Jess for like about six years now. <laughs> right. Hell of a guy. Something like that, right, Jess? Yeah, between, you know, your draft interviews and profiles. Uh, yeah, I don't know how long it's been. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> you have a good one. Glad we finally got to do this. All right. Thanks, man. Take it easy. You too. All right. Again, thanks to Jess Root for joining us. Hope you guys enjoyed that little bit of insight from the Arizona sidelines, sort of. And now we will talk about this game from the Titans' perspective because, as we just heard, the Cardinals do have a lot of pieces on that offense. We didn't even talk about or mention Christian Kirk in that interview. We briefly brought up Rondale Moore, the electric rookie, who a lot of people are excited about. A.J. Green, obviously. DeAndre Hopkins, obviously. Chase Edmonds in the backfield with newly signed running back James Conner. Kyler Murray at quarterback, a potential MVP candidate. Um, what do you think of this game? Do you think the Titans stand a chance to contain this offense? Yeah, I do. And I'm very excited to see their new look defense. Look, it's, it's, it's going to be a tough one. Kyler Murray uh, is obviously a dynamic athlete and can make special things happen. Uh, you add Rondell Moore to the mix. I do really like uh, his fit in this offense. I, I imagine Cl Cliff Kingsbury will scheme up and draw up a ton of touches for him, get him in the bubble screen game, maybe a jet sweep here and there. Really excited to watch Rondale Moore. Uh, Christian Kirk, oh, like you said, almost a forgotten name, right? There, there are weapons on this offense. Uh, I think there are some weaknesses too. I'm not sold on the running backs. I'm not sold on the Chase Edmonds, James Conner, uh, you know, uh, pairing. I'm also not sold on AJ Green and what he has left in the tank. So, uh, I don't think Arizona will have their way with the Titans defense. I, I really don't. I have Tennessee winning this one uh, relatively comfortably. Truthfully, I'm not saying it's going to be a, a total blowout, but I can see the Titans scraping out like a, you know, a 31 17 type of win. I, I kind of agree. And maybe we're a little too optimistic heading into this year, but one thing that strikes me when I think about this Titans team this year, and this is probably how most Titans fans, if not, all Titans fans feel it's a weird place to be, but don't you expect to be a playoff team? The Titans to be a playoff team this year. Like, isn't that, is that not your expectation going into the season? I mean, absolutely. That's like the floor. That's like that's the a floor. Bad It'd be a disaster year. if they miss the playoffs. A disaster. Yeah. It's a bad year if they don't win a playoff game, even <laughs> like this team has high expectations. And I, as Titans fans, it's tough to really know what that's like from a year in year out basis to like enter the season planning ahead for playoffs as opposed to, you know, Marcus Mariota was a fan favorite. I loved him as a fan from a fan perspective when he was in Tennessee, but felt like we knew the Titans would be competing for the playoffs at the end of the year each year. And they made it one year and they didn't make it the next year and they made it again the next year. Right. But like we knew they would compete, but we never really thought, 
they were just going to make the playoffs from the outside of the season. It was not the expectation. Nowadays, we enter the season, it's like, if the Titans don't make the playoffs, it's, it's, it's a disaster of a year. Somebody got injured, I mean, and especially when you look at the rest of the division. So with that mindset going into this game, you feel like the Titans should win fairly comfortably because I think the Titans are a bona fide playoff team, AFC contender heavyweight up there with the other AFC heavyweights like the Chiefs and the Bills and the Browns and whoever else you group into that category. I think the Titans are in that group. The Cardinals, however, they play in a really tough division. So that aside, even, you know, schedule aside and competition for playoff spot aside, I just think the Titans are a much better roster all around, top to bottom. I think they have a better head coach and I think they have a better quarterback. So I am pretty much all in on the Titans to win this game by maybe double digits even. Especially being the home opener, especially being the home. I think this crowd is going to be pumped up. I think the Titans, the team will be fired up. I agree with you. I'll stick with like a 31-17 outcome. That, that's sort of how I see it playing out. I don't think it's going to be quite as high scoring as people think they, it will be. I mean, granted, I got the Titans scoring about 31, but I, I don't know that Arizona matches them there. And, and we might look silly next week, and if so, we'll, we'll own up to it. But I agree with you. I think it's a double-digit win. All right. Do you want to throw out a actual score prediction or any other thoughts before we wrap up this episode with no, Kevin that, that Byers? That is the score prediction. That I'm going to go 31-17 Titans. Okay. I didn't know if that was like approximate or if that was your actual thing. I'm going bang on, baby. I like it. I like it. I think I'll say 30-20 to 20 Titans win by 10 exactly in their home opener and the season opener this weekend. Any last thoughts on this game before we throw it to you and Kevin Byard? No, let's let's get into KB. I had a lot of fun with Kevin Byard, a uh, really polite guy who was super engaged throughout this interview, gave me some great uh, thoughtful answers. You may have seen this already on broadwaysportsmedia.com. I ran the video version of the interview there. But look, you might not be a, a, a reader. Maybe you don't visit the site. You should, but maybe you don't visit it on a daily basis. And maybe you listen to this podcast. It's your, on your way to work, on your way home, whatever it is. You're more of an audio guy, and that's okay. If you are, here is the interview with Kevin Byard. It was a damn good one. And even if you've already heard this, come back to us in about nine minutes because we have a major show announcement that I will be making once we return from this Kevin Byard interview. Thanks for joining me today. Absolutely. Of course. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're taking part in Pepsi's uh, Made for Football Watching campaign, you know, which is all about celebrating loyal football watchers uh, and their personal game day rituals you know, with the help of their favorite players uh, such as yourself. Uh, I, I've seen the ads and I don't want to give too much away, but there's some great recipes and you look like you had a lot of fun with your shoot in particular. And Pepsi will be going all year long, you know, with AR filters, player content, season long prizes. Uh, tell me a little about uh, how much fun you had participating in this campaign. I mean, I had a lot of fun. Obviously, this partnership with Pepsi and the campaign they're doing, the made for football watching campaign, it's been awesome. It's just all about a way to give it back to the fans. Uh, I know how much work I put in every single week and every single day to prep for game day, uh, getting ready to go out there and do my best on the field. Uh, just trying to do my part with helping, you know, some of our fans who love the game of football uh, to do the same thing in the kitchen. Uh, my recipe was the Carolina pulled pork sandwiches, which uh, I think everybody would enjoy. Um, like I said, man, it's just fun. It's a way to celebrate the fans. And I mean, well, you can't get anything better on game day than football, food, and an ice cold Pepsi. So 
it was a lot of fun to, to work with those. That's the truth right there. Uh, you know, you're getting ready to kick off week one in just a couple of days. Uh, what about this training camp has felt differently for you? Uh, I mean, honestly, man, it's it was it was a lot better, obviously, because of the protocol is a little bit different, uh, a little bit more relaxed. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, just being back out there with the guys, having fun, having some preseason games, which was fun. Uh, and also being able to travel down to Tampa Bay uh, to practice against the Super Bowl champions. That was a lot of fun. Uh, but at the end of the day, man, it's all football. Uh, enjoy being around the guys. Enjoy building this camaraderie. Enjoy building this foundation we got with our team. So we're excited to kick it off on the 12th of September. Absolutely. Uh, you know, a, a year ago, 2020, uh, your snaps uh, played in the box, jumped by a significant amount. You know, you spent a lot more time there than we had seen you in the past. Do you think that was due to a wholesale shift in strategy, or do you think it was maybe driven by specific game plans? Uh, I mean, I, I don't, I didn't, I don't really look at the numbers like that. Uh, I try to look at myself as a versatile safety to be able to play uh, in the deep post or cover two, or but also being able to get in the box and, and help out with the run fits and stuff like that. So, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be higher or lower this year. Uh, it's all about where my team needs me at that specific time. Uh, like I said, hopefully I'm just out there making a bunch of plays, flying around uh, all over the field, not just one specific place. Yeah, for sure. Uh, with, with Kenny gone, you know, he's obviously such a, a good friend of yours and a great teammate. Uh, I want to talk about how you see your role changing at safety, you know, because Kenny was so good in the box, whereas mm -hmm. I think Hooker has got a clear uh, strength as, as with his range uh, as a deep safety. You know, does that change things schematically for you, or do you see uh, Hooker maybe being able to just step right into Kenny's role? No, I mean, I don't think a lot would change. Uh, I think me and Hooker are pretty interchangeable as far as the things we can do. I'm um, really excited. been excited about watching his growth throughout training camp. He's been out there making plays. Uh, I think we'll have a lot of fun. I don't think that a team will be able to really get a beat on us to say, hey, this is the box guy. This is the guy that's going to be deep in the post. Being able to be able to spin together and do different things, uh, I think will work well for us and our versatility and our defense. We just want to be able to fly around and have fun. Uh, it's not really necessarily about you know, de designating, you know, a box guy or a deep guy. It's all about flying around, making plays wherever you're at on the field. Absolutely. Uh, I want to put you in a little scenario. I actually did this with Hooker a few weeks ago, and I, I enjoyed his answer. Uh, a fourth and eight game on the line. Uh, would you rather be manned up on the opponent's best tight end or playing deep and trying to make a play on anything near the sticks? Uh, that's a good question. Um I mean, I would honestly, I would rather take the second one just based off the simple fact is obviously uh, you want to be able to be back there, have eyes on the quarterback, try to go out there and make plays and catch your interception. But at the same time, I really relish in those moments to be able to cover, you know, some of the top guys that we're going to go up against this year as well. I mean, we have, uh, I mean, the AFC, really the NFL is really in the golden age when you talk about how many great tight ends there is out there. Uh, and that's something that I talk about throughout the week and where, going against teams like maybe Baltimore, Kansas City, all these great tight ends uh, that I want to cover these guys. So, I mean, honestly, I would take both. But, I mean, to be able to have my eyes on a quarterback, to get my hands on the ball to make a play uh, is definitely something that I would I would definitely choose for sure. Uh, the narrative about the 2020 Titans was that the offense sort of carried the team a little bit. Uh, I imagine that the defense is really looking forward to changing how the general public uh, feels about them this coming season. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think the general public is wrong. Uh, our offense was historically dominant last year, and uh, the defense wasn't up to par. That's just the truth. Uh, but I do feel like just during training camp with the guys actually understanding that and what the reality was last year, we came in with a huge chip on our shoulder, wanting to get better, wanting to improve, wanting to flush last year down the drain. So like I said, man, I think we're really excited to see 
uh, how we're going to be, uh, you know, this first game on the 12th. We've been making a lot of progress uh, throughout training camp. So it's going to be fun when the things actually, you know, when the foot meets the leather and this thing actually counts, man. I'm excited to see the defense go out there, fly around, make some plays. It's looked so good throughout the preseason. Uh, interceptions are such a volatile stat, in my opinion, and that's why you never see the same guy kind of lead the league in that category two years in a row. I look to right. your rookie year, you know, when you probably had a little frustration, didn't get any, had, got your hands on the ball a ton. And then year two, you jump up, you have eight interceptions in year two. You know, all those plays start being made. Uh, right. I imagine you'd like to get your hands a bit more on the ball this year than you did a year ago. What do you think goes into having that knack for creating turnovers, which is something you've really shown through your career yeah I think you know one thing that I always believe in is not you know you have some guys like Marcus Peters who does a great job of getting interceptions or just turnovers period you know some people call him a gambler you know they say he gambles a lot you know he makes plays but the way I kind of look at it is that I'm not really a gambler when it comes to that I'm always believing being in the right place at the right time but it also takes to always continuously doing the little things right if you're supposed to be on this yard line or you're supposed to be aligned this way make sure you're always in the right place at the right time because like you said, it's a volatile stat. You never know when a ball might pop up in the air or a guy may fumble and the ball be right there for you to pick it up. But as long as you're running to the ball, uh, you're doing the small things right, uh, the ball tend to find you. And it's been like that since I was in college. I had 19 interceptions in college. I had a bunch of interceptions down the league. But that's one thing that's always been constant. That If I keep doing the little things, I always find my place at the right time. Uh, and being in the right place at the right time, you know, those numbers will catch up. So I'm not too concerned with last year only having one interception. I definitely know. Well, I, I'm f fully confident that, you know, that number rise up this year. I think there's no doubt about that. Look, Kevin, I've really appreciated your time today. Thanks for, uh, you know, speaking with us on behalf of Pepsi's Made for Football Watching campaign. I got to get my hands on those pulled pork sliders recipe, man. I got to hit someone up and they got to shoot me the recipe because I saw the campaign and it looks fantastic. So once again, thanks for taking the time. In closing, uh, what are your 2021 season goals? I mean, just win a Super Bowl, man. I don't, I don't have – I don't. It's not something that I like to disclose, just, you know, my individual goals, because honestly, none of that stuff really matters. It's all about winning the Super Bowl, uh, first winning our division and then winning the Super Bowl. You know, I always kind of look at it as that, you know, when we win those big games and, you know, you have that type of success at the team, everybody gets taken care of, which means everybody had a good year. So that is my goal for this year, doing whatever I can as a leader of this football team to get us to the Super Bowl, which, you know, the Titans haven't done. So it's something I'm super excited about and something that I've been building uh, ever since I got here in 2016. And Monty told me the same thing two weeks ago. So it sounds like everyone's goals are, are, are lining up perfectly. So appreciate you once again, Kevin. Enjoy the rest of your day. No, nah, no problem, man. Thanks so much. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that Kevin Byard interview. Let's get to the big announcement. So one of the things we've prided ourselves on here at Music City Audible is that we have come to you with consistency every single Friday since we started doing this podcast. That is going to change. We are moving days. Fridays are awesome. We love previewing the upcoming Titans game, but our schedules are getting tricky here as the season starts, as both of us enter new jobs that are much more related to football than our old day jobs ever were. And it's going to be pretty tough to record on Thursday nights, just to be frank with the audience. Let a little peek behind the curtain here. So we are going to move our show. We are no longer going to be a Friday show. The Music City Audible will return next Wednesday and every Wednesday for, I don't know, Justin, the rest of time? Forever. Forever. <laughs> Forever. And that is a promise you can take to the bank. So that's the announcement. We are moving to Wednesdays. 
And this wasn't really a factor in our decision, but when Greg Rosenthal gives you some advice, you should take it, right? Justin, first of all, because I'd like your help with this, if you could just kind of tee us up with the different categories, I'd like you to get a plug-in for your Titans podcast. Let it rip. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. Yeah, so the Music City Audible is a podcast we do every Friday previewing the upcoming Titans game. Thank mm. you. But do here, you, we're you ever think do... of taping it like earlier in the week just to give a little more, a little more time for them to listen? Um, we have thought about it, but he's about the content, really, Greg. He, yeah. He's not about he's not about views or listens. He wants to give people what they what they Greg, need. How about, That's true. How about Gravedigger says that and you say, "Oh man, I, I'd like to check that out. That sounds great. Everybody should do the same." <laughs> yeah. Why can't you just do that? So Greg's <laughs> just heating him up over here. <laughs> I'm not. It's not heating him up. It's like sometimes the producer needs a producer, so it's just something to think about. Yeah. No, All right, good, Greg. It's a good um, You've ruined everything again. Uh, <laughs> It'll give us a chance to do a little bit more recap of the previous week's game. We always felt like by Friday it was kind of old news. The other Broadway pods had it covered very well. So we we never really got into the, uh, the recap aspect. We were always more of a preview podcast. This will give us a chance to do both. Talk about the last week, lessons learned from that game, and then heading into the upcoming matchup. So that's the plan for Music City Audible. We hope you guys will not be too jarred next Wednesday morning when you see the the new episode in your feed, but we do hope you will continue to tune in every week because we will be there every week just on Wednesdays instead of Fridays. And, and look, we brought up some excellent so we brought on, excuse me, some excellent guests last year to help preview games, right? The like, guys like you just heard, Jess Root. Last year, we brought on Mike Malarkey, for crying out loud, to preview a Titans-Jaguars game. We brought in uh, Jeff Zariabek from The Athletic to cover the Baltimore game. We brought on Arif Hassan to cover the Minnesota game. We've brought on so many great guests uh, last year. We're going to keep doing the same this year. I promise you every week we will do our best to bring on a excellent guest that can give us a perspective on the other team, on the Titans opponent. That's a little difficult to do on Thursday nights. We're basically asking people to record during primetime football. And look, everyone wants to watch these games. I don't blame them one bit. So I think it's going to be a much better fit for us on Wednesdays. Like you said, we can do a bit more recapping the previous game because last year we pretty much forgot about the previous game altogether. It was already Friday by the time you listened to us. And we were mindful of that. So we just got away from that game and got into what's coming up this weekend. Now we can do a little bit of both. We're going to keep bringing great guests on. We're coming to you midweek. I mean, heck, you just listened to a Kevin Byard interview. So if you are doubting the type of guests that we will bring on the show this week, that is your loss. That is your mistake. It's going to be a big season on the Music City Audible, and we're coming to you from Wednesdays from now on. We kind of teased this last week when we sort of co-paired up with F-Words Pod and, and we dropped on a Wednesday last week. So this won't be the first time. Next Wednesday won't be the first time we, we come to you on a Wednesday. It'll just be in our own feed this time. So that's it. As always, we appreciate you guys tuning in. And boy, are we excited for week one to finally be here. Can't wait for this game on Sunday. I hope all of our listeners, if you can get there, are at Nissan Stadium because it should be a good one. For Justin Mello, who you can follow on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. For myself at Titans Film Room, this has been the Music City Audible. Until next Wednesday, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.